another episode of the Fort Worth Freedom Review. My name is Anthony Sosa, and today we have Amber O'Dell and Christy Beamer on to talk about Ken Paxton, the Texas Attorney General. We discuss the role of Attorney General in the state of Texas, the history of Ken Paxton's political career before he became Texas Attorney General, his criminal misconduct and subsequent investigations, and his recent lawsuit against Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin that was shut down by the Supreme Court. We also will get into a recent call for secession by the state Republican Party and how that isn't even an option. As always, please subscribe and sign up for our newsletter and get updates on Fort Worth political news and deep dives into local issues. We are currently a volunteer organization. If you would like to get involved or want to contact us, you can reach us at fwfreedomreview at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at fwreview and on Facebook at Fort Worth Freedom Review. This podcast is made possible by the Justice Reform League, a Fort Worth-based nonprofit. If you wish to support us or this podcast, please go to justicereformleague.org and click the donate button. Welcome, everybody, uh, to today's episode. We actually know the title for this one before we record it, and it's going to be Ken Paxton and Texas officials simp hard for Trump. So thank you guys for joining us today for this crazy episode. This is going to be nutso. Buckle buckle up, Buttercup, because this is going to be crazy. Right, guys? (laughs) Right? Am I right? Right. What's up? Yeah, there's a lot. We can be here for a while. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really curious to see how long yeah, this takes. Yeah, really it's more of a saga, really, you know, <laughs> if one will, about Ken Paxton. So yeah. uh, Amber's going to be starting us off with this saga, and then Christy's going to kind of fill in some of the stuff that we're going to cover along the way. And then I'm going to wrap us up with kind of bringing us up to date with where we're at now. All right. So let's just dive right into all of this ridiculousness uh, regarding Ken Paxton. Um, And I kind of wanted to start off a little bit by talking about, A, who is Ken Paxton? Um, And he is the Texas Attorney General. And I thought it would be really useful to uh, discuss what his role actually is or what the role of Texas Attorney General is. Um, And before I get into that, I really want to give a huge shout out to Emma Patloff, um, a reporter for the Texas Tribune, who has covered Ken Paxton and all of the issues that he's created for Texas as a state and us as constituents for many years now, because all of this has been going on for a really, really long time. Um, So first, uh, Texas Attorney General. Um, This role is um, an elected position, and the role of Attorney General, um, they they actually wear uh, several different different hats, but it's basically um, their main job is to defend Texas and its laws by providing legal representation to the state, uh, to state officials and state agencies. 
um, as well as writing legal opinions, um, reviewing bonds of public security, which I didn't even know was a thing and we might cover in a future episode, um, and also to ensure compliance with the Texas Public Information Act. Um, they're also uh, in charge of enforcing our state's child support laws and collecting child support. Um, and securing justice for Texas Texans uh, generally by investigating and prosecuting criminal activities, um, including human trafficking, internet crimes against children. Um, uh, on Ken Paxson's website, it now uh, says election fraud. That was added to one of um, <laughs> one of the roles that that he uh, that he fulfills now. Um, I'm curious to know if that was actually like under his job description, like prior. Um, November 2020 or or not. But um, that's one of the things that he is uh, charged with dealing um, or with enforcing. Um, they also assist local law enforcement um, in prosecutions and appeals. Uh, they investigate investigate Medicaid fraud, um, apprehending fugitives, like blah, 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 blah. Um, he's also in charge of um, the victims of violent crime and um, administering victim assistance programs. So um, if a person is injured in a crime, um, the state of Texas, some people who are uh, victims of crimes are eligible for getting um, financial um, assistance from the state, but um, only certain people qualify for that. Um, and then they also um, protect Texans against fraud, waste, and abuse by enforcing uh, consumer protection and antitrust laws, um, educating consumers on fraudulent scams and seeking recovery from Medicaid fraudsters in civil action. Um, and they also safeguard the freedoms of Texans by guaranteeing uh, the United States and Texas constitutions. Um, other things that they do include um, serving as legal counsel to all boards and agencies of the state government. Um, we already talked about how they issue legal opinions. Um, that's only when, uh, or that's largely when they're requested to do so by the governor, heads of state agencies, and other officials. Um, and then they also serve as an ex-officio member of state committees and commissions, um, and they defend challenges to state laws and lawsuits against the state against state agencies and individual employees of the state, as well as lawsuits against the state as a whole. Um, they're prohibited from uh, offering any legal advice or representation um, for private individuals while they're acting as attorney general. And this is a really huge office as it does all of these different tasks. Um, Ken Paxton, um, and as the attorney general has over 4,000 uh, 4, employees like within the attorney general agency. So Ken Paxton himself, um, before be getting elected um, the first time around as Texas Attorney General um, in 2015, um, he was a uh, what some are considering as a Tea Party conservative. Um, he also previously served as a Texas State Senator for the, the 8th District and also Texas State Representative um, for District 70. And as far as I can tell, after his after he was elected uh, to attorney general, um, his wife then uh, took over the position or I guess was elected um, as the state senator for District 8 in Texas. Um, so wait, so wait, and, okay, hold on. Let's 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 recap because you're covering a lot of stuff. I want to 
I want to see okay. if we're following right. So he started off as a Texas rep. Yes, he started off as uh, as he's acted as a state uh, house representative and also a state senator. Do you know what year he he did his representing, but before he was a senator, perhaps? I'm just I know I'm putting you on the spot, but I'm just curious. Um, I don't have that information in front okay. of me, but I can look it up. Okay, so I'm just wondering. So he so. Because this is this guy's been around in Texas politics for a while, so it's just trying to understand his right. his trajectory of to the where timeline. He, yeah, where he got into it now. Yeah. So I mean, so, yeah. So, so go yeah, ahead. So Sorry. I'm I'm assuming he was probably a Texas House Rep for District 71st, and was then um, state senator for District 8 um, prior to getting elected in uh, to as a Texas Attorney General. Um, starting in 2015, because a lot of people are usually like House representatives before they're mm -hmm. state senators. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I've noticed as a trend for yeah. a lot of politicians. Um, but I'm not sure what which order he served those. So District in. Eight is that Collin County? Uh, yeah, that's Collin County okay. and part of Dallas County, I think. Okay, and so and so now that he mm -hmm. has abdicated his seat, or not abdicated, but because he's now was Attorney General and ran for Attorney General, his wife has his old seat well she i'm assuming ran yeah, yeah, yeah. um but that's and a, was yeah. elected as um state senator for district eight okay yeah so, so she district. has okay. he prior that he had prior okay and her and name is uh angela paxton i believe okay. um we'll talk more about her later on okay um and but so, yeah his wife is now serving for that district as okay. state senator and so now he's a texas attorney general which is like the Texas version of Bill Barr, right? Mm -hmm. He's he's the influencer. yeah exactly okay yeah okay so and so he ahead. he in addition in addition to being a Texas Attorney General, he's also co-chair of the Lawyers for Trump Coalition. <laughs> um, can't leave that out of his bio. Um, and he also has was reelected in 2018 um, for a second term. So he's currently in his second term as Texas Attorney General. Okay. And uh, so, despite the fact that he was like facing so many criminal charges during that election, yeah. And so now we're going right. to get into those criminal charges. Um, so, uh, actually, I didn't realize this until I started doing this research, but he um actually was uh initially charged with um securities fraud um during like like right as he was campaigning so like these charges um and these allegations were actually brought forth uh prior to him actually getting elected um and so he's been charged with a securities fraud and i just wanted to give a definition of what that is for our listeners so securities fraud um is also referred to as stock or investment fraud and it's um considered a pretty serious white collar crime um, that can be committed in a variety of forms, but it primarily involves misrepresenting information um, investors uh, are needing to make decisions about um, putting money into like different types of investment. So what Paxton was accused of um, is persuading investors to buy stock in um, a technology firm without disclosing that he was going to be compensated for it um, and that he was like basically receiving some type of commission. Um, and although he's like maintained his innocence, uh, through this, he's been like initially, like from the get go was saying that this was a politically motivated attack, um, you know, which is what they always say. Um, but during his primary, 
uh, the McKinney Police Association um, from his home, hometown uh, actually withdrew their endorsement and said that it was necessary to protect the integrity of the attorney general's office. Um, <laughs> and so even like even the law enforcement agencies were like, OK, like this guy is about to be, um, you know, like one of the major enforcers of like law and order here in Texas. And he's obviously corrupt. So like we're not going to back him because he's um, now been indicted for uh, for a crime. Um, and so this actually like this case has like not gone to trial yet. Um, and that's like mostly because uh, there's been a lot of um, a lot of like you know, like interference being ran, like kind of on on both sides, um, where uh, they initially like like the initial um, person that was going to be um, that was going to be prosecuting the case had to recuse themselves because they were basically like friends of Ken Paxton, um, and so then they uh, hired they hired some uh, special prosecutors, uh, two different people. Um, to uh, to bring the charges against Paxton, and um, then there was like like Paxton's lawyer with prosecutors entirely too much, you know, to to be doing this. So there's like all this all these disputes over like how much the prosecutor should be getting paid. Um, Kim Paxton's uh, people tried to run some interference by uh, by having the case like tried at like different levels of the court system um in several different counties it's like this this case has just been like kicked around like all over the place for like the last five years and um one of the bigger problems that like also came out of it was um how kim paxton was that going to actually like pay for his own defense um because at one point he was like trying to use his campaign money like his campaign donations like to to fund his actual defense and um and you, that's like illegal, you yeah. know, you can't, because the case doesn't actually have, uh, is like this specific case doesn't relate to anything that he did uh, while he was acting as attorney general. So it's like more like of a personal case against him that doesn't have anything to do with his office. So it's inappropriate to use um, money that people who supported him donated to his campaign uh, to pay for like a personal charge that you know personal criminal charges that he's um that he's facing and so it's been going on for five years it has not been resolved yet um and it's still you know there's still all these you know issues with like where should it be where should he be tried it's like gone all the way up to like the highest court of like of like criminal um criminal court system in texas and not, now it's being like brought back down to like the county level um and so um in addition to that there's been like other ethical red flags for Ken Paxton, um, which kind of, which include um, a curious reversal. And this is in the words of, um, of Emma from the Texas Tribune. She says, a curious reversal of the state's official position in a lawsuit involving conservatives in his home county, a bizarre intervention on behalf of a donor in another state, an ethically dubious bill that augments his power filed by his wife, um, who we talked about, it, who's a state senator, um, a six-figure contribution uh, to his legal defense fund that he insists don't violate uh, Texas anti-bribery laws. Um, and so Angela Paxton, um, in, in February 2019, um, who was like one of her, I guess she was like a freshman in the Senate or whatever, um, but she proposed a new law that would have greatly expanded the power of Kim Paxton as attorney general. Um, or to the attorney general position 
uh, which included giving him power to exempt individuals from state securities law. Oh my god! Uh, which is accused, uh, which he has been accused of violating. Um, and she characterized the bill, um, which fortunately, like, it didn't pass and was never actually like heard in committee. But she characterized it as a consumer protection measure. <laughs> and so like that's incredibly corrupt you know so his life is like super corrupt as well um but more recently hold on i'll go ahead hold on i want to recap what you said like i want to frame it exact so just make sure you got it right so his wife introduced a bill to make it Mm -hmm. legal for attorney generals which her husband happens to be texas attorney general to Mm -hmm. then to participate in securities fraud essentially or is it just excluding him from being prosecuted for it um so it gives him the power to exempt individuals from state securities law um so he would be able yeah yeah so he'd be able to excuse himself basically (laughs) at least that's my understanding yeah that's my understanding of this and I, i could be wrong listeners in the audience if you if we're getting this wrong please uh email us and let us know but that's my understanding of how of how it's worded is that he would have the power to exempt himself or whoever he wanted to mm. um to just you know like exclusively as attorney general any attorney general that comes yeah. you know later on um would have the power to ex- excuse individuals from state securities laws and this is something <laughs> i just want to be clear too this is something that happens a lot in the political sphere there are people who go work for different private companies different hedge funds or whoever you know, just on paper, but don't, and then just make money doing that. But the, oftentimes necessarily don't feel the need to disclose, you know, when they're trying to get business deals on, on behalf of that thing, because they're also serving an office or whatever. He's not the first person to have been caught doing this. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's crazy that his wife's like trying to just straight up pass a, pass a law through the Texas house or Senate to the Texas Senate. Uh, yes, get her I husband. know. Yeah. Off. Okay. Okay. So, totally sorry. So agree. go ahead. So that so that happened, and then now now you're going on to something so else. So that happened. <laughs> um, well, also like on this, like so on the initial securities fraud charges, um, he was also, um, I guess like accused of uh, because he wasn't allowed to use like his campaign donations, uh, to pay his legal defense. Um, he then accepted like hundreds of thousands of dollars from like quote family friends. Um, which the state law bars elected officials from taking gifts from anybody um, subject to their authority. Um, but Paxton, Paxton says uh, that his gifts are an exception. <laughs> so he's like wow. um, excusing himself, you know, like, oh yeah, like I, like giving himself an exception for like, um, you know, like accepting accepting gifts <laughs> as, dirty, yeah, as a person I in s- power. <laughs> I saw that exception. Did Was there anything cited for that or did he just say it? like was he like no under this clause i'm allowed to do it Mm. or was he like no no Um, don't worry about it well in the article that i read um there wasn't anything cited um specifically it's just he he just publicly said that like you know it's kind of like like how trump is you know like oh like this doesn't apply to me you know yeah and i said it and that's all that needs to be done but yeah i don't i don't see that he cited anything i mean what is cited is the fact is the law that he's breaking (laughs) like where's the citation for that um and there's precedent for him you know like not you know there's precedent for like why this is illegal for him to do this um but i want to be clear 
that like we, we're not we're not supportive of you know criminalization because like the state gets to decide who's criminal and who's not right so i don't like focusing on that too much but i think it's important here to remind people and reiterate this guy is a criminal <laughs> and he <laughs> is our attorney general okay and we've already demonstrated right. twice his, how he's a criminal his, so now continue yeah his <laughs> yeah yeah. yeah, we don't like focusing um, on criminalization it, until until you start like trying to criminalize other people, but not you. you yeah. it, it's fine if you do it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, right, yeah. Yeah, it's like the one person who's like in charge please. of like enforcing enforcing state laws is, you know, obviously like not holding themselves to the standard of the of the office that they hold you know, to the same standard. The so the that's where the problem really lies here. Um, he's been accused also of just generally like in his time as as attorney general before getting into his most recent charges. Um, he's also just like generally viewed um, as, you know, using, um, you know, not not really like like leading the office through, you know, like statutes and, and standards and, um, you know, like like what's best for the state. But, you know, just like having a lot of like personal beliefs and biases um, that you know, he, like, he's just, like, um, I know, I know how to say it without, like, being offensive or whatever, but basically, like, using a lot of, like, his own, like, like, religious beliefs, um, as guiding the decisions that he makes, like, as state attorney general, um, and including, you know, like, um, just kind of picking and choosing, like, who to defend and who not to defend, so, like, what this says is, like, um, is that, uh, when the agency declined to defend a state law, about end-of-life care um, and refused to represent a state agency that was challenged for reprimanding a judge who uh, who performed, who refused to perform a wedding ceremony for same-sex couples. Um, you know, like, that's, like, it's within, you know, the state law that, you know, um, certain things are supposed to, are, are legal and should happen, or, and, you know, like, when people are challenging the fact that these people aren't making decisions, um, you know, in line with our laws, like Kim Paxton is just kind of like, eh, who cares? Like, mm -hmm. we'll just ignore, we'll just ignore these charges, you know? Um, and so he also was accused of, and this is just like kind of petty, but he apparently like, like stole a, uh, another lawyer's pen. It was like a $1,000 like blunt pen. Um, it, that he just, like, saw it and he picked it up. Yeah, he just took it. And then uh, after they realized it was lost, you know, then he like returned it. And it was like, oh, it was just a, it was just a mistake or whatever. But a lot of people that were there, I guess, like feel like he did it on purpose. Um, it's like you're just like walking around, just like you like this dude just like does whatever the hell he wants. He yeah. like doesn't even doesn't even care. It's a power um, move. It's a power move stealing yeah, someone's pin. Yeah, basically. Yeah, because yeah, then, stealing a thousand dollars. Yeah. Like, they got to ask for on. it back, and it's this whole thing. Like, yeah, sorry. It's like a thing between politicians and powerful people no, stealing I, their stuff. I read that too. And there were three pens that the other attorney like left behind accidentally. And, uh, and he just took the one, he just took the expensive one. Of course. So it's right, not like he yeah, was like, oh, my yeah. pens that I put down and just like mistakenly, you know, he was like, ooh, a pen that somebody left. Yo. I'll take that. Yeah. Like I like this pin. Yeah. Like, I mean, this or whatever. Oh, somebody like, just left that yeah. here. Dope. Yeah, it's, it's pretty. It's, he's that. He's that person. Exactly. You know, even if even if the pin wasn't like a thousand dollars, like everybody knows somebody who will just like walk off with your with your stuff from your office. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like everybody knows that person and their and their like work 
in their work environment who's just kind of like, oh, I'll just take whatever, you know, like, and nobody likes yeah. that person. You know what I mean? Nobody. He's that guy. Come He's on, that Ken. guy in the office. So what's um, his new uh, charges? Charges. All right, new charges. So October 2020, just a few months ago. Um, and this, again, is in the words of, uh, of Emma. She says, in a mutiny without precedent, eight of Paxton's most senior aides told law enforcement that they believe Paxton broke the law by using the agency to serve the interests of a political donor, Nate Paul. Uh, the media reports and documents have now shown four times when Paxton used his office in a way that appeared to benefit um, the struggling Austin real estate uh, magnet. So um, basically, like, what is like this there's this there's like a little bit of depth to this so i don't you know because i know we have a lot to cover here so i don't want to spend like too too much time on this but um so basically like like a bunch of his top aides and um came forward and were making uh charges um or making allegations about him uh using bribery and abusing the office of eternal of attorney general just uh generally um and so like as soon as this happens he like fired for the whistleblowers like immediately um which like i remember when it happened even npr was like kind of making it sound like oh like these are just like some interns um who just like came forward and like stepped up you know um and like spoke out about uh, spoke out against you know ken paxton and like he came back and was like yeah like these people are just like a bunch of insubordinate employees and like you know kind of like downplayed like their roles in his office, like, as if they were just, like, a bunch of, like, young nobodies, um, and that's the way that I kept seeing this, like, characterized, like, over and over and over again, but these are actually his senior staff members, and, like, one of the people that, like, initially, like, 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 um, you know, like, filed legally, like, um, I guess, like, an affidavit, or not an affidavit, whistleblower, right word is, um, yeah, like, the one who, like, actually, like, put down, like, on paper, like, what the charges were, like, made this whole thing kind of official, um, was actually a deputy attorney general. <laughs> um, so these are, like, sen like senior, like, deputy attorney generals. Um, they're all, um, like, from what I can tell, like, most of them, or many of them, are actually conservative as well. They're, like, yeah. members of the Republican Party. Yeah, they're all um, Yeah. Yeah, um, and so, like, I think it's important to, like, like, when you're, when you're hearing this, and when you're, you know, like reading some of these reviews to like keep in mind like who these people are because they're not just a bunch of like young interns who like don't know what they're doing. Like these are people that have like been in this office for a long time um, who are actually deputy attorney generals themselves. Um, and so basically, uh, Neil Paul, the real estate dude who had donated like $25,000 to Ken Paxton's uh, campaign, uh, basically like started asking him to like do him a bunch of favors. Um, and Ken Paxton was like kind of asking this dude to like um, maybe do favors for him as well. And it actually came out in an affidavit um, uh, or in a deposition that Neil Paul himself, um, you know, because he's like, you know, now cooperating, you know, like with um, with the investigators on this, um, that he ha that he had employed a woman at Paxton's recommendation. And he said that um, it was not a favor for Paxton, but the woman um, that he hired on uh, had been involved in an extramarital affair with Ken Paxton. Um, and uh, and um, there were, like, multiple people who were, like, yeah, like, they were having an affair together. So he, like, got, like, his girlfriend a job, like, with this dude. Um, and can you believe, like, after his wife, like, made a fool of herself, like, 
trying to pass that law to like expand his power like in his office and like get him off the hook and stuff he's like running around like having an extramarital affair you know like you know she feels like pretty foolish probably like after this all said and done um because even if like nothing ever comes of these charges like it was like basically um you know multiple people like knew that enough about this affair that it was like must have been going on like pretty openly i guess um and then everybody kind of starts like jumping ship like after these allegations come out so even senator john cornyn who um was also texas attorney general um previously uh said i've been troubled from the beginning with his first indictment that hasn't been resolved in five years i think it's a bad thing for the office and i wish he would have gotten that resolved one way or another earlier so you know people that were like supportive of him like during the initial like securities fraud indictments um you know like other people in his party that were like backing him like oh yeah this is all political politically motivated like even a lot of these people are like not supporting him now that these bribery charges came out um and so there's actually like been like four different instances when paxton like used a, the power of his role as attorney general um to step into legal matters that were involving this guy like paul neal um and so like one of them was um an intervention into where like kim paxton like in his role as attorney general like intervened in a case that was involving um a charity uh that this uh, paul neal guy was in like uh, with these other two dudes um and there was like a dispute over some of like the property that like they had all like jointly owned um, and, and like um, other investments that they were like involved in together. Um, there was like already like some legal dispute going on and like Kim Paxton was like, oh, like you guys are, you know, trying to screw over my friend Paul Neal. Like I'm gonna use my office, my position as attorney general to like step in and like, you know, make sure this goes the right way for Paul Neal. Um, and then there's like other, like other three instances like that where it's like kind of the same sort of thing, like also involving this Paul Neal guy. Um, where Kim Paxton, um, like became personally interested in an open records dispute over, um, some documents, uh, over which documents like could be released to an attorney who worked for the same law firm as Paul's lawyer. Um, and then, uh, Paxton tapped, um, this guy named Brandon Kamak, um, who was a 34 year old Houston defense attorney. Uh, to vet a claim that was made by Paul that there had been wrongdoing by federal and state authorities uh, when they raided his home and office in 2019. So like after all this stuff like comes out, um, you know, um, it's also like apparently like this guy Paul Neal had like, you know, was like because like the FBI is like now investigating this, um, but I guess they like previously yeah, so investigated um, other situations with Paul Neal as opposed to the state um, side and stuff. So this is federal. Yeah, yeah, the Texas Rangers uh, turned it over to the FBI, um, turned the case over to the FBI. But, like, even this guy, like, this guy, Paul Neal, like, gets raided by the FBI, and so they're trying to, like, um, he's trying to say that he was, like, treated, like, harshly, like, by the FBI, like, during the raid, which, like, I'm sure he was. Everybody gets treated harshly by the FBI um, when they raid your house. Like, that's just, yeah, everybody does. Like, it's the FBI, they're doing a raid. Like, they cut your, you know, like, when the FBI raids your house, like, they cut all your utilities you know like your house goes dark like it's it's terrifying you know so um but this guy like feels like he was treated like more harshly than everybody else i guess um and so um paxton like has this guy uh like hires an attorney um basically to def to um hires an attorney for um for paul neal 
um, so that he can like sue the FBI or whatever for like like not like mistreatment. And it's just like this dude is just like, you know, it's like even after all this is said and done, you know, he's like still supporting this guy. It's like really weird. Um, and so that's like basically like the gist of it um, of what's going on now. So um, so let's so he's you know, like, got he's hmm. got um, three different illegalities that we're looking at, right? So we have the securities fraud. Yeah, so the securities fraud, um, and then like doing bribery, um, and then also just like abusing his power as attorney general, and um, and so now everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people are like basically like like jump like jumping ship, and so like I like because it basically calls into question like every decision that like the office of attorney general makes now, yeah. you know, um, in defending the state of Texas. So like people are like trying to sue the state over you know X, Y, and Z. You know, um, there's like, you know, because of like the mishandling of like all this stuff and because he's like basically like like what a lot of like Republicans are saying is like desecrating the role of attorney general, um, which is like one of the highest like law and order offices in the land of Texas. Um, it like kind of puts like a like a dark shadow on like any like any decision that's being made, you know, because anybody can be like, oh, well, this office is really corrupt. Um, how can we trust anything that they do? And so um, Shane Phelps, who was actually a senior deputy um at the agency under former attorney general like Cornyn um said that like any action taken by the attorney general's office under general Paxton is now suspect uh the agency has kept uh has to keep litigating its thousands of cases on everything from child support to the death penalty uh but now judges will uh quote like be on the lookout for any indication that is being handled irregularly um in any way that's coming from the top uh, and for all the wrong reasons, and that it's like damaged the credibility and the ability of Attorney General's office to further the interests of the state of Texas in court. And Phelps also said, um, given all sorts of that, it, given all sorts of ammunition for anybody opposing the Attorney General's office in court to start talking about like all these issues, um, because it's like, oh, like we can't really trust this office anymore. Yeah. So it just totally yeah yeah destroys the credibility. So that's. All before he decided to simp for Trump really hard after the election on November 4th. Oh, can right? I say one more thing about him simping for Trump? Sure. <laughs> uh, so apparently, Please. so in addition to like starting, so like we already talked about how he's like the co-chair of like the lawyers for Trump or whatever. Um, but like it, like this also said uh, when I was like reading when I was reading about this, I said uh, Paxton. A competitor for the title of Texas's top culture warrior has positioned himself close to Trump, becoming the first state attorney, uh, the first state attorney general to support his executive order banning travel from several Muslim-majority nations. Um, their litigation agendas often um, are aligned together on major cases like Texas's effort to overturn the Affordable Care Act, um, and in public appearances, Paxton likes to tell stories about the president. Um, like the time Trump called while Paxton was in the shower. And so, like, I have not heard Ken Paxton tell this story about Trump calling him, like, while he's in the shower. Um, but apparently he's just, like, we should find you know, talking, talking, talking publicly <laughs> about how, you know, Trump calls and he's, like, in the shower. And it was, like, you know, like, they're best friends and they're that close and, you know, intimate, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't it wasn't an appoint an appointment call like he just randomly calls him any hour of the day 
Yeah, yeah, because he knows he can't. Such buds. Gosh. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So now, thank you, Amber, for for showing all this stuff. Also, by the way, everybody, we're, all of these sources that we're using for this information is going to be located in the show notes. So if you want to go back and see what we're talking about and who said these things, we'll provide that stuff for you. So now that we've yeah. recapped Mr. Paxton, uh, Christy, why, why don't you tell us about this this lawsuit after the election that Trump lost? That he yeah. So, so um, as the attorney general of the state of Texas, um, <laughs> Paxton, with the help of I've got him right here. Um, let's see. Uh, Brent Webster, which is the first assistant attorney general, uh, and Lawrence Joseph, which was hired specifically for this lawsuit, uh, they they wrote up a lawsuit uh, suing the four uh, swing states that they that they thought uh, had handled the election improperly. So essentially, um, all all interstate disputes are. Uh, they go straight to the Supreme Court. And uh, so essentially the lawsuit is just asking the Supreme Court to uh, to look over everything that the states did. And they they give you, you know, examples of fraud in the states um, and like, you know, either. <laughs> They, they give options uh, for what they want the Supreme Court to do. They want the Supreme Court to either make the state's legislature choose their electoral college, um, their electors, yeah. Um, or they want to just, like, redo the election with, you know, voters. Um, which I thought was really interesting because he... <laughs> Uh, you were saying that the states always got uh, to choose their own electors? Oh, yeah, yeah. So it started out, um, states chose electors, um, and a lot of the states, for a while, actually, I think until like 1840, I saw in here somewhere, um, the the legislature chose the electors, um, not voters. And so, so he's pushing for that to happen, uh, which I thought was really interesting because the language in here when he's talking about i say he they whatever paxton headed it mm -hmm. um when he's talking about about what the states did wrong what what he thinks was uh fraudulent essentially he says the legislature the legislature changed their own rules as far like to my understanding, that's what he's saying. Like he's saying the legislature had these rules before, but they changed them this year uh, to allow for all this voter fraud. Because of the so pandemic. So we're going to fix it by letting the legislature choose the electors. Okay. Which Texas yeah. totally so, has the right to tell other states' legislatures how they should do things. <laughs> Right. Yes. So the the right that Texas has to to sue these four other states, which for the record are uh, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Wisconsin, and Michigan, um, 
we we have the right to sue them apparently because uh you know the the presidential election affects all of us so therefore uh the the actions taken in that state uh affect you know us in our state um which was immediately dismissed by the supreme court they, <laughs> that was not valid as a as a interstate issue like no. um were you able to find uh which other states actually signed on to the lawsuit with yes. texas because okay yes. so um who, who also thought that texas had the right to sue them? it was 18 states uh backed the wow. lawsuit I yeah. didn't realize it was that many. Yes. Wow. Um, a lot of states, including uh, like strongly Republican states, were like, "That's mm. not gonna no. That we're not gonna sign on to that. This is a nonsense suit." Um, but the ones that did are Missouri, Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Montana, Nebraska, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee. Utah and West Virginia. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, lots of uh lots of southern states, lots of very rural states. Western um, states too. You know, yeah. what you'd expect. Yeah. Um, I mean that from, was pretty from, much just from people essentially signing on to show their emotional support for Trump, even though the suit really has very little basis. It's trash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So here, so I've got yeah. information on it, the suit. Sorry, Amber, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say, like, you know, like, we were going to initially talk a little bit about, like, how there really, like, is no basis to, like, any of the claims of voter fraud. Um, and so, like, what I think is, like, you know, like, if you kind of, like, take it back even, like, a little bit further, like, prior to the suit, you know, the fact that, like, every you know like i don't remember how many cases like giuliani like lawsuits like giuliani tried to tried to file like in an attempt to like you know like uh steal this election but um you know like like wasn't it like 80 was it 80 was some of the lawsuits? Right like, here, yeah uh, um, oh it's over 100 now plus. there were 60 plus lawsuits um that were either withdrawn because like there was no real evidence or they were just like tossed out um, so like after right like, you know, like they didn't the, even go to court the court would not most, even entertain yeah, most of the notion right yeah then you know Ken Paxton comes along and is like I have an idea you know I know how to you know become Trump's favorite new person um and yeah. show Texas is support for Trump <laughs> yeah and each of these states had like suits like within the state mm -hmm. to to sort this out because because you know accusations of voter fraud were just rampant this year yeah yeah um, especially and and so like all of these states like had people working on on trying to you know find any voter fraud that there was and like suing for for anything that that people thought was going on and then texas was like can we be everyone's dad please yeah. and just and just tell everyone right. what to do and Ken Paxton, not Ken Paxton, um, Ann Patrick's like million dollar reward for who anyone who could find examples of voter fraud. <laughs> like, remember that? Yeah. Like, uh, Lieutenant mm -hmm. Governor Dan Patrick was like, like early on, like early on, like it was only like maybe two or three days after the election. Mm -hmm. Um, 
maybe maybe like four or five days after the election, Dan Patrick came out and was like, I'm going to offer a $1 million reward for anyone who can find a good example of voter fraud or whatever. And then um, was it Pennsylvania? Yeah, it was Pennsylvania um, Secretary or uh, uh, Attorney General was like, hey, we found two two instances of voter fraud in Pennsylvania on behalf of Republicans voting for Trump twice. Where's our million dollars? Uh, and, yeah. and he hasn't responded. He, ha- he has yet. <laughs> to amazing. I haven't heard war. of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's and, like pretty crazy. Um, and yeah, you could tell that like, that like, um, you know, that like the Texas of not Ken Paxton, but like um, Greg Abbott, at least like on Twitter was like trying to kind of like, you know, like find like the middle of the road where like he wasn't like, you know, supporting the outcome of the election too much to where you know he was like yeah like we ran a legal election everybody ran a legal election and you know it's clear that biden is the winner like he wasn't trying to come out and outright say that but he wasn't trying to go like too far into um you know like down the voter fraud rabbit hole at least in the beginning he wasn't Mm -hmm. you know he was really kind of trying to say like yeah like we support you know, like our elections here in Texas, but we're going to offer this reward in case anybody finds any wrongdoing, you know, and then, you know, you know, a few weeks go by and Kim Paxton is like, all right, like now we're really going to start something for Trump because yeah. we, we haven't been supporting him enough. You know? So it's, it's crazy. So here now I want to kind of show you guys what the Supreme Court said, what their decision, actually the wording of it was, and then the Republican response to all of these things uh so let me do that real quick all right so i got a couple i I would like to note real quick that uh even john cornyn did not support this lawsuit because he uh because he was like there there's not enough uh correct cornyn didn't it's not gonna hold up in court cruz did uh, but Cornyn didn't. Yeah, Cornyn was like, no, did. not going to. So that shows that's a kind of good example showing like how all Cruz is a premium simper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's all about it. Next he, level. He was ready. <laughs> he offered himself to defend it. If the Supreme Court did see it, then then uh, Cruz I, was going to be the the yeah prosecutor. Or, I read or that Trump whatever, specifically yeah. asked Cruz to defend it. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. I know. He knows who's in his pocket. <laughs> Yeah, he does. That's funny. So, okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, you're fine. Not at all. Yeah, go ahead. So so the Supreme Court denies the lawsuit. I'm getting this. There was a bunch of different sources I'm going to give you guys, but I got this specific article from a publication called Legal Insurrection. Um, And they denied it for lack of standing. And it specifically says, I got got it right here. the state of Texas motion for leave to file a bill of complaint is denied for lack of standing under Article Three of the Constitution. Uh, Texas has not demonstrated a judicially judicially cognizable interest in the manner of which another state conducts its elections. It's not demonstrated a a legal interest in the manner of another state's elections. All other pending motions mm-hmm. are dismissed as moot. And then so there were two justices that dissented, not on the content of it, but just on procedure, essentially saying uh, that the case, that the, the court didn't have jurisdiction to not see it. So they're kind of like, we have to kind of at least look at it. But beyond that, they didn't have an opinion. 
Um, but it was just two justices that said that the other justices were like, no, we're not even gonna gonna look at it. And so like, what is Article Three of the Constitution? Um, you know, because it says it's denied for lack of standing under Article Three. Well, I've got that for us as well. I did. Let me click on the link that I provided myself. And essentially, uh, do you have the names of the justices that dissented? Yeah, I do. Hold on one moment. Uh, it is Justice Alito and Justice Thomas. Hmm. Chief Justice Thomas. Um, um, yeah, sorry. I read a little bit about Alito, and he basically dissents on every uh, interstate case because he's like the one judge that believes that they need to see everyone. Um, he, he believes, like, he interprets the wording of the, like, initial... I guess I think it's part of the Constitution um, that mm -hmm. that gives the Supreme Court the the power to uh, rule on interstate issues. Um, he just personally interprets it as um, they have to see everyone. Yeah. And the other ones interpret it as we can if we can't find anyone else to do it. Interesting. I mean, that makes sense. And like and it kind of, yeah. you know, the Constitution, Article three is short. The whole Constitution is pretty friggin short. Uh, if you have, and so section two is where they talk about this of article three, uh, the judicial power shall extend to all cases in law and equity arising under this constitution, uh, to all cases of admiralty and maritime jurisdictions, blah, blah, blah. At the bottom of the first paragraph between citizens of the same state claiming lands under great, uh, oh, where is it at? Controversies between, yeah, the United States will be a party. Uh, controversies between two or more states, between a state and citizens of another state, or between citizens of different states. In any of those situations, they have jurisdiction, essentially. And so, I mean, I get that perspective, but yeah, it makes sense that, no, we don't we don't have to see it if we don't want to. And then I'm sure they've done that a lot in the past. So it's like, all right. Um, and then this publication, the, uh, the Legal Insurrection, they kind of commented saying that standing is required to sue because the federal courts can only hear actual cases and controversies, not hypothetical cases. And so to make a case in a controversy, the person filing the lawsuit must have suffered an actual harm, not a merely hypothetical harm. Uh, and so the standing problem here is essentially saying Texas, and this is what Pennsylvania kind of responded, Texas has not suffered harm simply because it dislikes the results of the election. And nothing in the text, history, or structure of the Constitution supports Texas's views that it can dictate the manner in which four other states run their elections, which I thought was a pretty uh, nice, succinct response based. from Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's pretty based. That's exactly. So then we uh, getting to Texas's response to that sort of thing. I was looking at a Texas Tribune article, and I kind of just wanted to read. Emma Platoff was the was the the journalist you were talking about, Amber, right? Oh, yeah, my girl. Okay, so she's same. <laughs> same so I got a, a different article from her talking about the same sort of thing. I'm just going to kind of read it because she really did a good job of, of saying, saying what, what was uh, the title of the article is the U.S. Supreme Court throws out Texas lawsuit contesting 2020 election results in four battleground states published on December 12th, 2020. And it reads as follows. The lawsuit quickly grew into a uh, quickly grew into a dividing line for blue and red states across the country. And for Republicans, a test of loyalty to Trump. Some Republican-led states refused to side with Trump in the case. Idaho Attorney General Lawrence Wasden uh, said the legally correct decision may not be the politically convenient decision. 
Uh, but more Republican states chose to join it. Trump and Republicans across the country had pinned their hopes on the Texas suit with Trump himself intervening. In a series of tweets, the president called it the big one and later added, it is very strong, all criteria met in all caps. By Thursday, it had drawn in the involvement of nearly every state with more than a dozen weighing in on each side, as well as the endorsement of more than 100 members of the U.S. House, including more than a dozen Texas Republicans. U.S. Reps Jody Arrington, Brian Babin, Kevin Brady, Michael Burgess, Michael Cloud, Mike Conway, Dan Crenshaw, of course, Bill Flores, Louis Gohmert, of course, Lance Gooden, Lenny Merchant, Randy Weber, Roger Williams, and Fort Worth's own Ron White from District 6, who <sighs> just won his reelection against Stephen Daniel. Uh, and so those are the 12 U.S. representatives that were in support of this suit. Uh, I do want to take this moment to just mention that Kay Granger was not one of them, and she kind of abstained from commenting on this altogether, which I thought was interesting. She didn't throw her, she didn't throw her hat in the ring. Um, but anyways, so you know, and we mentioned it briefly earlier. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Christy, you want to you want to comment on that? Like, what do you think of that? No, I was just gonna I was just gonna say that the the line between people who just threw themselves fully into supporting Trump, regardless. And the line between people who support Trump and or, you know, what he stands for, but just knew that, like, legally this was not going to fly, like, is is very interesting to me. Because yeah. there are some people that just didn't care. And they were like, I'm going to put my name behind this either for the headline or for the, you know, the the weight with Trump or or with the GOP. And mm -hmm. then, and then some of them, you know, Kay Ranger, John Cornyn, etc., mm -hmm. like just right. didn't even bother. And I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah, it really, it's going to be an interesting few years now watching because he's, he's uh, to see what happens with the Republican Party, especially here in Texas. Like to see the response to kind yeah. of this yeah. next time in the next couple of years uh, will be very interesting. I think. Yeah. Um, well, to quote the uh, the very beginning of the lawsuit, uh, either the Constitution matters and must be followed, even when some officials consider it inconvenient or out of date, or it is simply a piece of parchment on display at the National Archives. Nice. Exactly. <laughs> you got you got to stick to it or not. So, stick to your convictions. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So, um, continuing on, um, we talked about Cruz throwing you know saying that he would argue it uh legal experts have called this lawsuit dangerous and unprecedented and its aim is garbage but dangerous garbage was how elections law expert rick hansen put it uh u.s representative chip roy a texas republican who once served texas attorney general ken paxton as top deputy called the case a dangerous violation of federalism that will almost certainly fail uh, and it's also high stakes mm. for Paxton himself because he's back in the spotlight again because of what we've been talking about up until now in the for the first 30, 40 minutes of this episode. All the stuff that he, the hot water he's in, and specifically the FBI served subpoena and the FBI investigation regarding mm -hmm. his uh, uh, criminal activity. Um, and so some Texas Republicans met this with disappointment and anger with the Supreme Court decision. Uh, it's unfortunate that the Supreme Court decided not to take this case and determine the constitutionality of these four states' failure to follow the state election law, as, as a quote Paxson has said in response. 
Geopar- Geo- okay, so this is when we get into the next thing that I want to talk to you guys about. Uh, and we'll get in. I got some more about it, but first I just want to chat with y'all about it. Uh, after all of this had kind of been said and done, the state GOP chair, Alan West, had published a statement. And in that statement, at the end of it, they said, perhaps law-abiding states should bond together and form a union of states that will abide by the Constitution. And so he's straight up talking about secession. And again, we'll, we'll throw you guys that actual document uh, in, in the show notes. But what do you all think of this whole secession thing? Well, I think before we talk about the secession, um, I think it's really important to note that one of the, um, a lot of people have speculated that the lawsuit um, what really didn't have anything to do with the GOP or with the election, et cetera. It was really just Ken Paxton trying to uh, show his support for Trump uh, so that he could be pardoned mm-hmm. for the federal crimes that he's now been indicted for and now exactly. been investigated for. And that it really didn't have anything to do with like Texas. Like, I mean, like a lot of people like knew from the beginning and certainly Ken Paxton and and certainly Ted Cruz, you know, who has argued before the Supreme court multiple times knew already that there, there was no end, you you know, to um, there's nothing to really be gained from this lawsuit and that it would like clearly be thrown out like from the get go, but it was really more of like a public um, show of support for Trump so that Ken Paxton could try to get pardoned for, um, you know, for the things that he's done. And I, I think there's maybe some truth to that. I mean, oh, for sure. Um, I mean, look, like Trump's what other... throwing around left and right pardons. Like, how many people has he pardoned in the past week that are working? Yeah, like Paul Manafort, Roger Stone. You know, he's just handing out pardons to like all of his friends. Those and so a lot of, guys. Um, you know, there's a lot of people, and I, I include myself in this, but like, I, I believe that it was really just a large, grand show um, to try to get to get a pardon from Trump. And what is hilarious is he has yet to be pardoned. <laughs> so he's <laughs> embarrassed all of us. Fingers all crossed. of the people of texas you know he you know he's like made us look like fools like like some of our states that we were friends with like now we're not friends with them anymore you know like um and it's just like it's just a disgrace to the office of attorney general and is a disgrace to texans everywhere um all just for his own pathetic attempt to get uh to get trump to pardon him and yeah. and it hasn't happened yet yeah and uh just brief note i'm uh didn't write down his name but uh the attorney that would normally handle a case like this uh did not uh ken paxton wouldn't even normally be the prosecutor for a case like this or the the plaintiff i suppose um he like that that's not normally his job but the the regular guy either didn't want to do it or ken paxton really wanted his name right on the top Mm -hmm. So yeah. there's just, there's that. Simping so hard. <laughs> it's like, look, look, Trump, I did it. It's got my name right on the top. Pick me, Trump. So pick me, Donald Following that, so this whole thing is, is, is you know, like you said, just a, a selfish endeavor on his part to kind of save his ass out of hot water. But in doing so, he's mm-hmm. like stirred up the Republicans at a national level and brought up secession again. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is a this is a hundred and fifty four. This is a hundred and fifty four page document. Like, like this is a lot of work that went into this. 
when clearly many legal experts could just immediately say that's not going to fly. Um, so mm -hmm. I just, just, yeah, a lot of work, a lot of work went into this big thing that has no point. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and so this, yeah, this, so this <laughs> the, the statement was just released in like a one pager, it kind of in response, just giving like the, the, the Texas Republican parties, like, Hey, this is, our statement on the Supreme Court decision, but in the last two, on a letterhead, on a letter, on, yeah, there was a letterhead of the Republican Party of Texas. It wasn't just like his yeah. own opinion; yeah, it yeah. was all the Republicans' behalf, or on all the Republicans' behalf. Yeah, uh, published on Dece on December eleventh, and again, this was in the show notes. Uh, they're just mad about it. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but th the last two sentences, this decision will have far reaching ramifications for the future of our constitutional republic. Perhaps law abiding states should bond together and form a union of states that will abide by the constitution, uh, which is, which is treason. You know, this is, this is treasonous. Well, okay. True. True. But let's talk about the, uh, the unique, situation with texas and the potential for texas alone to have the right to secede from the union texas history lesson okay yeah are you wanting me to do it yeah, you're <laughs> the teacher, yeah. i don't i'm uh, not not a texas historian i mean so essentially like yeah we were an independent nation for nine years from 1835 to or 1836 to 1845 uh when we were accepted into the union though uh you know we accepted our terms we were our own state until the civil war started in 1861 and we seceded you know in like what was it february of 61 or whatever um but for every state so i, I know texas has a unique history as for a statehood goes and like we because we used to be in our own independent nation for nine years that like oh maybe texas will become another independent nation again and like people think that or whatever but at least, the, and I'm not a lawyer, and I'm, I'm, I, you know, but based on my understanding of it, and I've got documentation in front of me to to to, to talk about, um, we we lost that right when we when we came back into the union. So there, this first. Well, when I was in a Texas government class at TCC, my professor told my class that Texas is the only state that um, by our own state constitution, according to our own state constitution, uh, we retained the right to secede from the union, like, quote, whenever we wanted. And that um, every time the Texas legislature is in session, they open the uh, meetings with a, with a symbolic vote of uh, who wants Texas to secede from the union, yay or nay, kind of thing. And what is the vote every time? No, everybody always votes no, but we retain the right to vote so, on it. So maybe that was in the original Texas Constitution, uh, and oh, you know, I, my I'm understanding not sure. is that it was like part of us like coming back into the union. Like we're only going to come back so into the union if, and retain the right. To I don't know. I mean, if your professor said that, he would probably know better than I do. This is what I was able to dig up. Um, it's an ordinance ordinance declaring the secession null and void published on March 15th, 1866. And this is in the Texas state constitution, page 32. 
be it ordained by the people of Texas in the convention assembled that we acknowledge the supremacy of the Constitution of the United States and the laws passed in pursuance thereof, and that an ordinance adopted by the former Convention of the People of Texas on the first day of February 1861, entitled An Ordinance to Dissolve the Union Between the State of Texas and the Other States United Under the Compact Styled the Constitution of the United States of America, which was the Confederacy, be and the same is hereby declared null and void. And the right heretofore claimed by the state of Texas to secede from the Union is hereby distinctly renounced. Past 15th March 1866. So unless they went back after 1866 and said, you know what, we changed our mind, we do retain the right to secede, we gave it up when we came back in the... But again, I'm not... That's not my area of history that I know the most about. So, I mean, there's probably, if, again, if you know better, please write into us. We'll talk about it on a later episode. We'd love to correct ourselves, but at least the way I understand it, it's not even possible for us to secede in any of the states that were in the. Hey guys, what's up? Um, this is Anthony from the future. Uh, I'm editing the episode. I wanted to give you guys a quick update. We had done a little more research about this to kind of clarify and just wanted to let you guys know our assumptions are correct. And I'm going to read real quick from a Texas Tribune article published in 2016 by Aniri Patani, titled, uh, Texplainer, If Brexit Can Happen, Can Texit. So uh, I'll link that in the doobly-doo show notes for you guys. But I just wanted to let y'all know our assumptions were correct, and I'm going to kind of explain why. So when the Republic of Texas, which was a republic for nine years, uh, was accepted into the Union, Congress approved the annexation with a joint resolution for annexing Texas to the United States. In this resolution, uh, they stipulated that Texas could, in the future, choose to decide to divide itself into five, uh, up to five states, essentially. And so there's confusion about this because people think that means that we could form our own independent states or nation or whatever, but there's nothing in that resolution that says that we could separate from the United States is that we could create additional United States. So that's the thing that does exist and that people are often talking about. But however, as far as our right to secede is concerned, that doesn't exist. And so uh, the Supreme Court, I'm just going to read from the article. In the years after the Texas joined the Union, tensions over slavery and states' rights mounted. A state convention in 1861 voted 166 to 8 in favor of secession, a measure that was then ratified by a popular vote, making Texas the seventh state to secede from the Union. After the Civil War, Texas was readmitted into the Union in 1870. Yet, even before Texas formally rejoined the nation, the United States Supreme Court declared that secession was not legal. And thus, even during the rebellion, Texas continued to be a state. In the 1869 case, Texas v. White, the court held that individual states could not unilaterally secede from the Union and that the acts of the insurgent Texas legislature, even if ratified by a majority of Texans, were absolutely null. And then to finally hammer the point home, the most famous and conservative justice in recent memory, Justice Antonin Scalia, was asked about this in 2006, and he replied by saying, the answer is clear. If there was any constitutional issue resolved by the Civil War, it is that there is no right to secede. 
I'm going to repeat that one more time. If there was any constitutional issue resolved by the Civil War, it is that there is no right to secede. So that should answer our questions that we were asking. And now back to the show. So it's it's well, it's just so the other thing too is like even if we did right, um, like that, like like that right would not be recognized by um, yeah, you know the U- U.S. Constitution, yeah. <laughs> right? Like yeah. even if we had like some little clause, and it wasn't the first time. Um, yeah. you know, like what what would happen if we if we tried to secede? What do you think would happen? <laughs> right? Isn't it tech- if it's technically treason? Like, wouldn't that be um? I mean, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, so in regards to treason, it's the Supreme Court that kind of gets to decide or prosecute someone. That's actually in Article Section 3 of Article 3, uh, where they talk about that. And just real quick, I do have, since we're talking about treason, I have that um, quote, what it says. for So the definition is like the offense of tacking to overthrow one's government at a hard, but in, in regards to the Constitution says, Treason against the United States shall consist of only in levying war against them or in adhering to their enemies, giving them aid and comfort. Um, so, I mean, it's, I guess it depends on whether you think an, it's an act of war or not to leave the Union, um, you know, or to advocate for such. Uh, again, this, I mean, I, I, I say it's treason, it, but, it, you know, whether or not it, that, you know, that's never going to be what people are prosecuted everybody throws around the word treason these days yeah yeah. Um, like i saw a lot of people on twitter like oh texas is trying to commit treason like blah 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 like big surprise um but like one of the other things i i noticed um because like and the reason i i keep bringing this up is because like like i uh grew up in like a really like conservative um you know like texas pride household or whatever um and i grew up around a lot of people who like i mean there's a lot of people in texas who um like are under the impression that texas can secede from the union at any given point in time like should we decide to do so um there's even like an organization called like texas secede or whatever um and like every 10 years there's some um you know like state representative who's like tries to like you know like band together as many republicans as possible to like you know like they like run on a platform of like texas seceding and i don't know that that is common in other states like i don't know if other southern states are like constantly throwing around the idea of like seceding from the union and i think uh, it's um you know partly because of something that maybe once was or maybe still is within our constitution that you know that gives texans uh the misconception that we do have the right to secede um but even um even after this came out there was another um a person who's like a represent i think a state representative i can't remember what his name is who was like yeah like we are gonna secede um and was like gonna like lead the charge again yeah i just don't don't know that it's really interesting how the um like the group of people that was behind this lawsuit um you know and then paxton being the head of it uh bringing up secession um it's really interesting that the whole idea was to support trump whose whole thing is american exceptionalism but then but then the second that we don't screw america we're leaving yeah yeah what (laughs) we're leaving and we're gonna be a better america than the other one i want to read what someone said there's a really good quote 
from that article that I had. Like I, I think that what they want to do is kick out the people that don't believe what they believe. But yeah, but I, I don't think that they realize that they can't take America with them when they secede. You know, right? Yeah, because Texas doesn't. We don't have our own state income tax. And we rely heavily on federal on federal dollars from from the federal government uh, to, you know, prop up like a lot of our civic institutions because um, we don't have an income tax to raise our own money. <laughs> and so, like, um, you know, maybe disappointingly and like sadly, uh, like I was seeing a lot of people um, that were in support of Texas seceding from the union that are not from Texas that mm-hmm. just wanted to see yeah. us go. <laughs> they yeah. were like, we're tired of paying for all of your schools that you won't pay for yourselves. Like, like get the fuck out of here. Like <laughs> there was, a, I was surprised like, how much anti-Texas hate I saw online when, when they threw that out there, everyone was like, get out, good riddance. Bah. Like, we've been waiting for this yeah. for decades yeah. like, <laughs> i mean i had the same thought i was like i'll just i'll just bounce real quick and then yeah, yeah do it go with it <laughs> yeah right like what about the, those of us who want to remain part of the union you know like we're proud to be part of the union i guess we'll all just leave <laughs> there's plenty of space in wyoming i suppose i hear i hear that the one the beautiful. one argument that that is a valid one i don't know if it, it, i don't valid is the right word one one argument that makes sense to me more is reasonable that, yeah i guess it's more Maybe. reasonable is we got our own grid. There's three grids in the United States. There's the West one, there's the East one, and there's the Texas one. So there's for whatever, if we were to able to separate, we would at least be able to independently have our own power grid without having to rebuild another one, which mm. as, which other states wouldn't be able to do because they'd be dependent on the national one. Andy? Not that I advocate True. for that because I don't. <laughs> but, right. but, if we yeah. ever found ourselves kicked yeah. out of the union yeah so we'd be more okay than other states <laughs> might we got all these wind turbines in the west but yeah so i don't know so yeah it's, in the oil, I, guess. I, don't know. I mean it's really one of those things we could have a, a whole separate episode where we bring somebody on to talk about secession or whatever because it is a thing that there's a lot like you said Amber, there's a lot of people who are under the impression that there's something that we can do and is like a historic right of ours mm-hmm. and has been for a long time or whatever um so, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe we, could, maybe we could keep hashing that out later on once there's less stuff to talk yeah. about. We got so many other things to talk about too. That's something I had always heard as well. Um, well, I've certainly heard it too. But then when I started the, doing research before the show today, that's what I found. Which I, you know, granted that was like 20 minutes of, of looking. I didn't spend a few days doing it, but um, I don't know. That's to me doesn't and nobody else outside of the state seems to think that we have that right. To like. Uh, yeah. right yeah yeah i also, so I also you know really grew up in the that. yeah i also grew up in the like you know conservative christian homeschooling sect of texas which you know is oh <laughs> we can have a whole episode on that but sure, uh <laughs> but yeah those those people are for sure under the impression that uh that we maintain the right to secede and they are supportive of it. So that's, that's a whole, yeah. whole like section of the populace that is being taught that mm-hmm. continually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see bumper stickers that say it like pretty regularly, like before all of this, like it, it's like a long, it's like a thing that like I grew up like thinking was, was allowed. So, um, 
had, you know, Thank you for listening to the Fort Worth Freedom Review. If you would like to get involved or want to contact us, you can reach us at fwreview at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at fwreview and on Facebook at Fort Worth Freedom Review. This podcast is made possible by the Justice Reform League, a Fort Worth-based nonprofit. If you wish to support us, please go to justicereformleague.org and click the donate button.